spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. It's Mike Caldeshell. It's 1025 The Bone. Our next uh, guest is Robert Moore. Robert Moore is a author of a best-selling book, On Trails, and he spent years reporting a podcast miniseries about the life of Joe Exotic, which is uh, available. Uh, it's called Joe Exotic Tiger King. You have heard this before, all of the Tiger King. Yeah, hoopla. I listened to this, and so now everybody's freaking out about Joe Exotic, and I'm like, yeah, I know. We <laughs> reported on Joe Exotic a bunch of times over the right. years. Yeah, obviously being here in Tampa with the Big Cat Rescue and all this but stuff. But even more of that was, was mostly us talking about just, just hey, that guy's at it again. He ran for president. Right, running for that. president, doing all the crazy so, stuff. So we were familiar with him. And yeah, with Big Cat Rescue being here. But now everybody's watching the Netflix special. This is this is what happens usually on Christmas break. Christmas break, somebody discovers something on Netflix and then it becomes the biggest thing in the world. And obviously we're not at Christmas, but we're all in our houses right now trying to find something to do. Let's welcome Robert to the show. How are you, sir? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. It's very it's great to talk to you. This is such an interesting topic that you were way ahead of the curve on. Did you know that Netflix was making this after you had done your podcast? Yeah, I did. So, you know, Eric and I were reporting this at, at roughly the same time. He actually started a little bit before I did. But we were kind of running side by side on this for a long time. And then we finally crossed paths at the trial. So so I spent, you know, I got to meet Eric and Rebecca and, and got to watch them in action. And, and they really were tireless. I mean, I have to take my hat off to them, how how much work they put into this documentary. It was it was just incredible. It, it They really did a good job on it because you don't have to be familiar with the people in the story like we were to watch it and be sucked into it. It really is amazing. But I have to tell you that after I watched it and talked about it, everybody, including Galvin, was telling me things that I did not see in the show and that I did not know about, and that's where they got it directly from your podcast. Yeah, so I think there were, you know, the problem with this story is it's just so weird, and it's so so vast. I, I call it fractal weirdness, you know, where any one detail you zoom in on just gets weirder and weirder. So, like, anyone who's going to tell this story is going to have to leave things out. And so the way that Eric and Rebecca chose to tell it, there's a bunch of things that kind of got got left out of the mix. And uh, one of those, I mean, I basically created a thread on Twitter just to fill those, fill people in on some of those things. Some are big and some are small. And, and the Twitter just, you know, I mean, the thread just, just went absolutely viral. Uh, there were a couple, let's point out a couple of things. This is the one, I don't want to blow the special for people who haven't seen the whole thing yet, but uh, I didn't know until my wife and I were just amazed by it, and I didn't know until afterwards because Galvin told me that Joe Exotic didn't sing any of that country music. Yeah, that's kind of been an open secret uh, among people who know Joe Exotic or have been following this story for for a while. Because obviously, I mean, if you listen to his speaking voice, it is not the same as that rich. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've heard English people sing without their English accent, so I thought maybe, maybe he was pulling that's it off. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, who knows? And, and he does. If you notice, he speaks in different voices. You know, I don't know if you saw the the video of him at the funeral for Travis. Yes. But suddenly he's got this this strong Texas accent, and it's like it comes out of nowhere. He would do that. But no, uh, what happened was Eric and um, Joe had basically uh, stiffed the the person who sang those songs. He used to send ideas, song ideas, off to the singer-songwriter duo out in Washington called the Clinton Johnson Band. And one time he just basically stole one of their songs. He stopped paying for them. And the, the song. Oh, get him back on the phone. Oh, man. Damn it. We're just getting getting good to the good stuff. Come on. Uh, the Clinton Johnson band. I'm looking them up right now. Yeah, I, I, I have one of their things right here. This yeah. is uh, what a man's got to do. We want to hear this. Get to the singing. I tried to find her at the altar. Now, does that sound like Joe Exotic to you? Like... No. Oh, that's great. All right, let's get Robert back on the phone. There you are, buddy. Hey, sorry about that. So anyway, the songwriter called me up and spilled the beans. He said, look, Joe did not sing those songs. Uh, that, that was, you know, that was, a, that was a, a, a totally different outfit. He just pretended. He would sing over the top. You know, if you notice in the documentary, he never sings it without the, the song turned way up loud. Yeah. Right. Oh. Uh, now, the other thing is, th- this is... This is so odd to me that I remember the almost the exact dialogue in the show. So Joe Exotic was gay and married to not one but two guys and three uh, eventually throughout the miniseries. Uh, and the two guys that he married were not gay, you say. Well, no, I mean, they, yeah, they weren't. They both, they both told me variously. Well, actually, you know, uh, John told me flat out. He said, I, no, I'm not. I said, I'm as straight as they come was the way he put it. That's not uh, very straight. And then, yeah. <laughs> and, then uh, and then Travis, I mean, Travis, I heard from his family. Yeah, he, he wasn't gay either. And, and there were various other, I mean, there's only, uh, you know, those three guys, but there were lots of other guys throughout the years. I mean, Joe had, by, by my count, at least four husbands, four people with whom he had a marriage ceremony and uh, many other guys who would work at the zoo and he would basically just sexually harass them until they would agree no. to be in a couple with him for a little while no. and then no. they would end up leaving. Listen yeah, to me. Yeah, he, he said he, to he, Travis, he said, how straight are you? And he said, very. And he said, let me ask you a question. When you watch a porno, and I know you know this, Robert, but when you watch a porno, do you like the guy to have a big wiener or a small wiener? And he said, a big wiener. I want to see it. He goes, then you're not that straight. And I thought, no. <laughs> yeah. listen, I want to see the job getting done in a porno, but I am very straight. I'm also not homophobic or, or I don't fear it at all. I don't, I'm not, you're I, also I don't. not doing a bunch of math. And, right, you know. but I got to tell you, I've been drunk a lot, and I've never had a tendency to be like, well, let me right. just see it once. Uh, I, I, don't, I think that maybe, maybe these guys, especially Travis, maybe Travis's family just didn't know Travis was gay. No, I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, look, sexuality is a spectrum, right? Like, you know, if you believe in the Kinsey scale, maybe he's somewhere between one and seven on the scale. But everyone who knew him, I mean, he was with women always before Joe. Uh, you know, John was with women before Joe and with women after. I mean, I, I'm gay. I, I kind of have a, a sense for these things. Travis was not a gay so guy. So as a gay guy, uh, you're not picking it up on Travis at all? No, no. What he was was a young, impressionable guy who was lost, had a really hard childhood, uh, you know, and was was messed up with drugs. And Joe took advantage of him. And yeah. and look, this happens, you know. I mean, this I, I, this is there. There's a term for this in the gay world called rough trade, where where you know young straight men who are very rough would go and make some money by hooking up with older gay men. 
that happens. And this, oh, sure. it happened in Joe's life over and over again. I, I have to tell you, that's just, it's, it's so awkward to me I because think- in the same revert, like I can't picture you and I know that. I'm sure there's some young, good-looking gay guys that are hooked up at old bags for the for the money, you know. But it's it's it equally as uncomfortable both ways. Yeah, well, what what it really is is it, it ends up being kind of sad because Joe never really knows if these guys truly love him or if they're just with him, you know, for the tigers and the drugs and the guns and all the things he gave them. And so he has this real insecurity. And the way that he treated them, I often remark that the way he treated them kind of mirrored the way he treated the cat. You know, he liked to have these big, strong, powerful, kind of scary guys around him. He didn't look for, like, young you know, kind of uh, shy, openly gay guys. He looked for young, straight, rough guys. because, it, And I think it's the same reason he was attracted to Tigers. It made him seem more powerful. Look at this thing I can conquer. Look at this thing I have. Oh, he loved he that very, power. He loved the throne. He loved the, the gun. He loved the power. And he was incredibly controlling, right? I mean, I, I heard from Travis's sister that he wasn't even allowed to uh, contact his family. She had to talk to him through a messaging app that was inside of a video game because otherwise Joe would, would spy on his communications and he would get in trouble for talking to his sister. Oh, man. That ain't like any other cult. Uh, let me ask you this. You you don't find Joe exotic attractive in any way, do you? No, no, that was never uh, that was never compromising my journalistic integrity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking to Robert Moore. He's the uh, the uh, best selling author. The book is called On Trails, and he was Joe Exotic before Joe Exotic was cool. I got a question, Robert. Watch, having watched the docu series, was there anything that stuck out to you that contradicts what you experienced? Because I know a lot of the people involved have now said that this isn't exactly how it was, and it was, you know, very creative editing, and it didn't really play out. Was there anything that sticks out to you that wasn't exactly for your experience? There, there are definitely some minor moments in it where I know that they took things out of context. And, and so one of them, I mean, for example, there's a scene where Joe and, uh, you know, Joe and his husbands are flying over the top of Big Cat Rescue in a, in a helicopter, yeah, and yeah. Joe's joking about dropping a, uh, a hand grenade. There's a shot of Travis there. That doesn't make any sense. Travis wasn't even around back then. That, that was a footage later from when Travis was going skydiving that they sort of just repurposed for that. There's other moments like that. You know, some are big, some are small. There's one that's kind of consequential where they imply, and and spoiler alert for anyone listening, but they imply that Travis killed himself on purpose because he he has this moment where he's sitting out in this field. He says, this will be my last cigarette. I don't think, I don't know because I've never seen that footage before, but I have a feeling that he was just doing something dangerous because he did dangerous stuff all the time. He would, you know, shoot explosives and do jumps off of of a four-wheeler. He was probably doing something like that and kind of joking. But also there's one moment where he looked in the mirror and realized he'd been going down on Joe Exotic for a while, and he was like, maybe I should just (laughs) call it all off tonight. But the other guy's reaction almost seemed fake, like... You know what I mean? Not to me. Like, I, I think you see somebody shoot themselves in the head like you are shock, in shock. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're in shock. But it's almost like he's like, ha- like it's not a total shock face. There's like well, a, well, a well, kind of smile to it. So I can tell you why that is. Okay. I interviewed Josh Dow for many hours. And, and I can tell you, first of all, it is not fake. He, he is extremely traumatized by that experience. It's, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to him in his life. And he's going through therapy to try to get over it. But what he said was it looked fake. He thought it was a, uh, he thought it was a practical okay. joke. At uh, he said the blood was coming out like a super soaker that in his makes head. More sense he of- said it, he said it looked like something in the movie. In fact, their direct quote was, it looked so real, it looked fake. 
Mm -hmm. It's such an interesting thing to say. And and so then he starts to realize it's real. You can see at first he's like, what? Like, is someone playing a joke on me? And then his face changes. And that's the really core, when he puts his hands over his face. I mean, I've never seen that footage before. That is shocking footage to to watch that. It it really was painful for me to watch. I don't know if I could get over seeing that, you know, not expecting it and somebody to just accidentally blow their head off. That would be therapy, too. Um, all right, let's let's move over from Big Cat. I mean, from Joe Exotic to Big Cat Rescue. Now, after watching that, we're all like, "Oh, she totally fed her husband to the tiger." I mean, we <laughs> want to believe that, but uh, but they have come out strong here in Tampa, saying that you know, obviously, it was taken out of context, and they they made things in the video, manipulated it. What is your thought on that? Yeah, th- this one's tricky. I mean, I think Carol herself would be the first person to acknowledge that, that there's strange details in the disappearance of Don Lewis. There's pieces of evidence that just don't make sense. You know, his van was found at this airport. Uh, the, the seat was pushed back too far for the length of his legs. I mean, Carol herself told me that. That's in the podcast. Um, you know, and there's no flight manifest to show that uh, any plane with him in it took off that day. Uh, you know, that's strange. There are a lot of other strange things that happen, and I think that people want that case to be reinvestigated, especially Don's children want that case to be, I don't think it was ever officially closed. It's not like they need to reopen the case, but they just need to investigate it properly. And if Carol's innocent, I think she would want that as well, because, you know, this hangs over her head. She has to deal with this question all the time. They, she, her and, and Howard are so tired of fielding this question and they're really wary of journalists, um, you know, sensationalizing. I can tell you one thing. I don't think that any uh, body was fed to the tigers. That that was something that was said. Even the person who said that later said, yeah, okay, it probably wasn't fed to the tigers. It's not realistic because t- the way tigers eat bodies would not be a good way to get rid of evidence. They'd be picking at it. There'd be mm-hmm. like half a body sitting yeah. in a cage for days. It's it, and plus, you know, it's just not efficient. Like there's swamps everywhere. It doesn't. It doesn't. That part doesn't make sense. That's just kind of a, a headline grabber. You know? I, I, I got to tell you, we got a call on Monday. From a woman, I, 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 the the chain of connection here is is off to me. So tell me, Galvin, if I'm wrong. The woman said that her son-in-law was the son of the handyman, the one they interviewed that's sitting by the pool. Uh, Kenny Farr, yeah. Is that the right one? That yeah. was yeah. his stepdad. That was his stepfather, and he, the son, uh, her son-in-law is saying that he killed the guy, and that he talks about it now, and he did it because that guy was. I don't know, something about his father was an alcoholic and that guy was abusive and that he talks about him being like this kid claims that he knows all the stories because this guy talked about killing this guy. Wow. Well, he, he needs to reach out to a, to a journalist. That's that's a big if, if if true. I mean, that's a that's a big get because this thing has been open for a long time. But the truth is, at this point, we just we just really don't know. And, and it's a little, you know, it's a little dangerous to, to speculate. Uh, about it, I mean, especially for me, you, you know, you open yourself up to claims of, of libel and, and sure. slander and libel. But, but no, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's the. I know everyone wants to solve this case. It's, it's the biggest question hanging over this whole thing. Yeah, I don't want to solve it. I just want to pretend she fed him to the tigers. It's a better, it's sexier ending for me. Yeah, for sure, Robert. <laughs> do you think anybody's ever going to figure out how Joe Exotic has the boyfriend Dylan? Like that kid is yeah, a right? good-looking kid. I was like, how is he getting this kid? 
that is a real mystery to me as well. Dylan <laughs> is one of the few people in that documentary that I have not spoken with. He, he's been trying to kind of lay low. And, uh, yeah, not only that, I mean, he's, he's an openly gay kid. He seems to be pretty well adjusted. He went, he was a college kid. He was just, you know, hanging out on his friend's floor. And as far as I know, Joe said he met him in a chat room, but I think that's because Joe's not very, like, technically literate. I, I believe he met him on Grindr. And they, I, I think he just, I don't know, you know, Joe is larger than life. And if at the moment you meet him, your life is not feeling very large, that can be a really powerful thing because it takes you out of your everyday kind of grim life. When you're just like a, a young millennial with no job sleeping on your friend's couch, and then suddenly you're playing with tigers and, you know, shooting guns and, and you know, talking about having a reality show made or whatever Joe is talking about at that time, I guess running for governor, um, you know, <laughs> That can be kind of appealing to people. Also, he paid for everything. You know, he bought Dylan a car. I think to this day, he's paying off Dylan's car payment. Jesus. So, you know, money's a, a, also a part of the equation. Uh, when you started doing this four years ago, did you ever anticipate that it would blow up like it has and literally become a part of pop culture? Well, I had a feeling, you know, I discovered this story just through a random newspaper story that said Michael Jackson's alligators burned alive in zoo fire. Mm -hmm. What? And I looked at the story and the story is about the GW Zoo and, and how Joe Exotic, the alligators had died. Of course, at that time, we didn't know that Joe was the one responsible for the fire. But I did discover Joe Exotic and I Googled him as I'm sure you guys. Well, I guess you don't have to. But, you know, I Google imaged him. And just by looking at him, you're like, this is the strangest person <laughs> in the world. We, we have and, reported on Joe over the years, uh, mostly because everything he did had, did had some sort of uh, big cat rescue tie in. But we have oh, Joe Galvin would go, hey, remember Joe Exotic? And we right. look at the picture of him and we tell the story. So, yeah, we did the same thing. Well, and, and so then I went down. I lived at the zoo for a week. Joe gave me a trailer to live in, uh, which was pretty disgusting. And I, I lived there, you know, followed him around all the time. And he started talking about Carol incessantly. And I have it in the podcast, in the first episode of the podcast, uh, which is just called Joe Exotic Tiger King. Uh, in in the first episode, you hear him say, he you know, he's going to go down to uh, Florida. He's going to kill Carol. Uh, he wanted to see her brains on a wall is what he said. I think he said, I, I know you I never used to dream about seeing someone's brains on a wall. You know, he would say stuff like that openly. And I said, Joe, this is on the record. Like, I'm a journalist. I'm recording this. Why would you tell me that? He's like, ah, and she said, she's drove me to that point. That's what he would always say. So, you know, at that point, I knew that there was a story here, but it wasn't, I, I wasn't sure. It, I mean, I had no idea it would get this big. It, it's really strange to see something you've been working on for four years Suddenly, yeah. everyone in the world is talking about. I'm, I'm as I'm talking to you. I'm just on Facebook on my timeline, just scrolling down, and every other story has some sort of uh, Joe Exotic meme on it. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you, you were talking about Joe saying that stuff out loud. I remember specifically in your podcast about you guys being out to dinner and him just talking like nobody cares that I'm talking about murdering this lady or wanting to kill her. He talked about it constantly, and that's one of the strangest things about it. And, and one of my, my theories about Joe is that he kind of got – he sort of drifted away from reality because he was spending all of his time in these spaces that weren't quite real. It was like the internet. He was filming a reality show about himself, which we all know is not really real. So he's in like a kind of pseudo-reality where nothing he said mattered. Mm. He, he could say whatever he wanted, and it was like there were never any consequences. And the more outlandish he became, the more people responded to him. You know, that's like, I mean, that's a, that, we all know that from social media. And so it kind of warped his personality. It got him to where he was just saying outlandish things all the time. 
thinking it was fine. He didn't care. He had no difference between truth and lies, fact and fiction. He just drifted off into like another realm of being. And so when you look at him and you think this isn't a real person, like this guy seems like a character out of a, a, a movie. That's part of why is he, he did. He became a character to himself. For sure. And now he's a character in pop culture that will last forever. I, I, um, I drove, I drive past Big Cat Rescue every day on the way to work. It's right off the highway. Did you come down here and look at that? Yeah, I did. I, I came a couple of times. I'm convinced one day I'm going to be just driving to the mall and there's going to be a tiger on the street. Uh, I I don't know. I can't. I, I I think they had some minor issues with the USDA back in the day about their fencing, but I I think it's pretty secure at, uh, at this point. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met uh, Howard and Carol, but you know Howard especially. They're they're both very very careful people, and they they run a pretty tight ship over there. So that that wouldn't be my biggest concern. The the uh, this station in this uh, building. We have a couple of different stations in here. We do a lot. Well, they do a lot with Big Cat Rescue, and everyone here loves Carol. They can't say enough nice things about her. They're angry at the uh, the way she was portrayed in the documentary. I don't know her. I've never been anything but driving past Big Cat Rescue. Your feeling though is that they're running a good operation. Certainly, nothing like the other lunatics that are in the in the documentary. Well, I mean, I know a lot of people have started drawing comparisons between Joe's Zoo and Big Cat Rescue and saying, look, they're both the same. And, and that's, that's the way Joe frames it, right? Like, that's, that's Joe's interpretation. But the truth is, when you talk to, Joe, to, Howard, uh, to Howard and Carol, what they tell you is, yeah, we could have a nicer, bigger place. We could house more cats. But that's not the point. The point is not for us to keep building a bigger, bigger sanctuary so that everyone else can keep breeding and profiting off these cats, and then we take them in once they're no longer cute and cuddly. Right. The point is to stop people from breeding and selling and letting people pet these cubs, because that's what creates this giant like feedback loop of tigers that, that is creating this problem in America. We have more tigers in America than you do in the wild. You have to stop the breeding, and so that's why they're pushing most of their money does not go into that sanctuary. It goes into advocacy and trying to push this, you know, um, Big Cat's uh, Public Safety Act to, to ban all that stuff. Yeah, that certainly is what they're doing. Yeah, I know that, you know, in the in the docuseries and kind of a lot of people are got a conspiracy theory. I know Doc Annell was one that he really believed that Lowe set Joe Exotic up for the murder for hire plot. What What are your thoughts on that? I attended the trial and, you know, I have court transcripts. I can tell you pretty definitively that that's not the case. I, I, a lot of people seem to interpret it that just because there's a lot of evidence showing that Lowe was uh, involved in this, that that makes Joe not involved or Joe got framed. Like basically because Lowe is guilty, Joe is innocent. But the truth is obviously from the transcripts and the tape recordings and everything, they're both guilty. I mean, like Joe took... A, Joe took uh, Alan Glover's cell phone. He sent it to Jeff Lowe in Vegas, and then he gave Je uh, Alan Glover a burner phone. He sent his husband down to get a fake ID for Alan. He sent Alan off. He was talking. There's a taped phone call where he says, me and Jeff got him uh, you know, a, a fake phone. Jeff's going to take his old phone, and he's going to text photos from Vegas regularly, so everyone thinks he's there. And then he said, me and Jeff got it worked out to where he gets caught red-handed We'll just say we fired the MFR, and he went off the deep end. Wow. That's Man. about as close to an admission of guilt as you can get, right? But the way that Joe has been framing this whole thing, and this is where I that my one big critique of the documentary is I think that Eric and Rebecca, that Joe kind of got in their head, and he, he kind of shaped how that they think about this because how they portray it in the movie is how Joe thinks about this. 
which is that because Jeff and Alan were were kind of you know in in, in cahoots, that he's innocent, but he's not. He no. thought that Alan was going to go commit this crime. Now, there's another weird piece of evidence in that documentary. It sounds like. Uh, Alan Glover never went to Florida, right? He says, uh, "What do I want to go to know Florida for, or whatever." But in the <laughs> that was trial, good, uh, he said he chickened out. Yeah. In the trial, he said he did go to Florida. So, oh. in on the stand, when he was under oath, he said one night he got drunk and high on cocaine. He drove down to Florida. He got just about to Tampa and ended up on a beach somewhere and like met some people and partied with them. It made no sense the story, but anyway, he like fell asleep somewhere, woke up in the morning. And drove back. And he said he was going to Florida to warn Carol in person. But that makes no sense to me at all. Mm. Nothing about that story makes sense unless he was afraid there was some sort of evidence, you know, whether it was uh, security footage or going through a toll or whatever that showed that he had been in Florida and that they were. So he had to cover his tracks and say, oh, no, I went to Florida. I think Alan actually came pretty close to doing it. And then, as it says in the documentary, he just chickened out. Wow. The the uh, Tampa Bay Times I'm looking right now they just added a thing to their uh, front page of their online uh, it's all the stories that they have written about uh, Joe Exotic and about uh, Big Cat Rescue all the way back from let me go see how far it starts uh, 2012 2005 1997 they've got all the articles all in here for anybody who wants to catch up and see it as it actually happened uh, if you are as interested in this as the rest of the world seems to be. Uh, check out Robert Moore. You can follow him on Twitter at Robert Moore. It's Robert Moore, M-O-O-R underscore, and robertmoore.com. There's no E on the Moore. Uh, what, I, what I would like to do is do a little bit more investigating into this into this tip that we got about the son-in-law of the uh, of that guy. What's the guy's name? Kenny? Ken. Ken, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and see if there's any validity to, to that. And I, I have to tell you, is this good for you, this documentary? Are people now having a whole... New interest in the in the uh, podcast and in the book? Yeah, well, so uh, I don't know about the, the – yeah, I think so. I mean, I know that the podcast is back up on the – last time I looked, it was like number six or seven on the iTunes charts. It was – you know, the, the podcast did very well in the fall. It got uh, five million downloads. It's the number one podcast on iTunes for a while. And then as these things tend to do, it subsided, and now it's just shot right back up. So yeah, it is pretty pretty good for for us in this story. My book is different. It's about trails. It's like a long philosophical look at what does it mean to be on a trail. I hike the Appalachian Trail. If people want, oh, a great I, I heard trail. Book, I thought it was uh, I thought it was associated. I'm sorry, but still, uh, go ahead. You plug the book. Yeah, I was just going to say if people want a break from sort of the garishness and and the murder and the blood and and the you know cat feces of this story <laughs> don't read on trails and exploration it's a very peaceful kind of poetic look at what it means to be on a on a trail or a path through life can i ask you a question about that real quick i yeah, am sure. i am a, a straight married guy i've had a bunch of friends over the years and at least three people in my life had said to me i'm going to take some time off i need to find myself i'm going to hike the appalachian trail and came back and said that they were gay is that a uh, is that a time to go find yourself to walk that well, trail? It, it definitely is a time to go find yourself. You know, most people who go hike the Appalachian Trail are in some kind of break in their lives. They just graduated from college. They just got out of a divorce. Some people uh, have just come back from the military. A lot of people now they call them wounded warriors. Go yeah. and hike the Appalachian Trail just after they got out of the military. So 
it's a great time to, at a break in your life to reassess because you step away from everything. You step away from technology. You step away from all your possessions. It's a kind of like American pilgrimage in a way. And it, you come back. Oftentimes people do. They come back different people. I met one guy, I described him in the book, named Nimble Will Nomad, who went and hiked the Appalachian Trail and gave away all his possessions and kept walking for like 13 years, he's been walking ever since. He has this long white beard. It's like run, forest, run. He yeah, I say, we used to away. call him Gump in my neighborhood. We know that guy. <laughs> yeah, so it's a life-changing thing. I would recommend it for anyone. All right, final question. What has been your favorite meme so far about Joe Exotic? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I love the I love the shot of Alan Glover in the bathtub. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. can't imagine how they convinced him to get into that bathtub. <laughs> yeah. It is so funny to me that I, I just think about the behind the scenes of that documentary and it and it cracks me up. I've seen so many and uh the one that I have uh it says it's it's uh Travis and Joe and the other guy with the bad teeth on the other that guy's Joe. kneeling down next to him, they're all shirtless. Joe they all got jeans on and it says I'm gonna tell my kids this is Florida Georgia line. <laughs> That's been my favorite. Man, it's very interesting to talk to you. I, I have a feeling as things unfold, we're going to probably ask to have you on again in the future because I still think so much more is coming out now. Yeah, that'd be fine. I'm I'm here. I'm like everyone. I'm all holed up. I live in a cabin in the woods, so there's oh. not a lot going on here. Good for you. Did anybody talk to you about the uh, the movie? I know there were uh, – what's your face from Saturday Night Live? Is Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon wanted to produce a show. No, no, no. So that's actually a deal that we've signed to make the podcast into a miniseries for uh, UCP, Universal. It's going to make a, a web series or, or TV series about the show starring uh, Kate McKinnon as Carol Baskin. So oh. if you guys, if, you're, if your listeners want to tweet at me or at UCP, you can give suggestions for who should play Joe. We've had a lot of really great suggestions so far. I think Dax Shepard tweeted yesterday that he's interested in the role. That's so. what Gio We did it this morning. That's what Gio said. Who did you say? Uh, I said Brad Pitt. I think would be great, but I also just saw online because I was looking at Joe Exotic stuff, Edward Norton. Would be really be, good uh, too. Yeah, I think Joe would. Yeah. Joe would love it if Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you pick right now? My pick has always been, and this is a bit off the wall, is for Margot Robbie to play Joe. Oh my God, that's <laughs> brilliant. That is yeah, brilliant. Because if you look at her, her eyes look just like his. I mean, sort of in, Margot Robbie from I, Tanya, you know, yeah. with a mustache and playing a man. Her eyes are just like his eyes. And I think she would really get into the to the perversity of the role. Dude, that is brilliant. I hope that they go route route. That would be, be, that would be fantastic. Look, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Super interesting. If you want to go catch up on the podcast, do that. This Joe Exotic stuff is taking over the world right now. And this is the guy who was there from the very beginning. Rob? Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.